He said in all humility, now that he's in his 70s, what worked for our generation will not work for your generation. And he said, I don't know what will. That's what you'll have to figure out. The face of church is changing. The model is changing. People are needing community. They're needing restoration. They're needing God manifesting in their neighborhood. And the fires are a primary way that it's happening. Friends, it's Morgan, and welcome back to another episode of the Become Good Soil podcast. There's a revolution at hand. There's an organic mission of men by day and by decade becoming whole, becoming mature, becoming, I'd use the word integrated, becoming the kind of man that God meant when he meant masculinity. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're a part of it. It's a revolution. It's not in the headlines. And yet it's the major theme. God is restoring the hearts of men, recovering joy, restoring integrity, and it's contagious. And there is this undercurrent of revolution of men gathering locally that we're just naming fires. It's been going for years. Jay Heck and Being Sons has been after this for seven years. Brian Bird and the Wild Courage team has been going after this in Idaho for over three years. And there are many fires around the globe. And it's, it's just been so, um, the stories keep pouring in of transform lives. So with such frequency that I had to bring Jay and Brian into the studio to honor being sons and wild courage and to share stories and to give the background and ultimately to give an invitation to you men, wherever you're listening to this podcast series to say, would you join us? And would you light a fire? Would you gather a few men? Because it's changing the world and not many things are doing that in this hour. So having said that, Jay Heck, Brian Bird, welcome to the Become Good Soil podcast. So glad, so happy to be with Thanks, you, Morgan. Guys. Yeah, it's great yeah. to be here. Great to be here. And I love your excitement about it. I think it's warranted. Yeah, God's doing something really great. What comes Absolutely. up? Like when you hear me give that kind of framework, you've been in the trenches. You've been in there. I'm telling your story. So I... What comes up? What, what story um, explains the fruit or just what comes up in your heart, even in beginning a dialogue with the role of fires in masculine initiation in this hour, particularly on the earth? Um, this fire that I get to host is something that I need. And you know, any of the growth, anything that we're talking about is just bonus on top of that. But having come to boot camps, having come to become good soil, having made the decision that I'm going to pursue union with God, whatever that looks like, led me to realize that 
I cannot do that independently. I have to have other guys to do it with. And I, I don't know the answers. So there was a, a vulnerability and there was a risk at thinking that I might be able to host a fire and in any way, you know, I don't even know what was necessary. Do I need to keep guys' attention? Do I need to teach? Do I need to do whatever? I just knew that I was invited into this category of sonship that I knew very little about. Uh, that was very exposed in me when the Lord invited me to be a son. And I tried doing it for a while by myself and realized, no, actually what I need is to hear stories of other men who are wrestling to discover the answer to that question themselves. I really need to be doing this with other guys. And so I just invited some of my closest friends. We started hanging out, having a fire, doing things in a way that was really different than I have ever done them before. And I tell the guys quite frequently that if being sons collapsed, if it disappeared, if everything else were to go away, I cannot imagine not hosting a fire where I could w get fed by the yes. stories of other like-minded, like-hearted men. I mean, it is a feast all in itself, no matter what happens. So I'm doing it for me, first and foremost. And when I ask God about, hey, what are your plans? What do you want to do? He's like, this is for you. Mm. This is primarily for you. Jay, I think it's a really important observation when you say this is a feast in and of itself. It's not just for the next thing, right? And men, we're always thinking about the next thing, the next mm -hmm. thing, mm -hmm. that, that the effect of what happens inside the soul of the man, even in just one fire, one evening, to listen to God, men wrestling with God, to listen to their stories, to listen to stories of God intervening mm -hmm. on behalf of men, to listen to men taking courageous steps to receive sonship and become wholehearted. It's a feast. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's so good. Bri, how about you? Yeah, I think Jay hit a couple of themes there, but when the word was used was feast, um, I just can't help but think of the fruit that God has for us at that feast. And one of the, one of the fruits, you know, I'm changing names to protect uh, innocence and stories, of course, but, you know, I think what explains it the most, you know, eloquently is that we had a guy named Joe, um, typical man who, who made a mistake and, uh, had an affair with his wife and Joe, um, you know, typical response by, by religious, the religious leaders in his life. They booted him out of his church. He had nowhere to go. Those ones he called friends, no longer answered the phone and experienced some devastating church hurt. Nowhere to go. But down the road, there was a barn. Mm. And down that road in that barn were a couple of guys that said, Come on in. We're not gonna mm. leave you. We're not gonna we're not gonna boot you out of the religious setting that you were in. You here's an invitation and a permission given to show up in your real shit and um in the middle of an affair and we'll we'll get around you mm. we'll get on your shoulders well you can sit on our shoulders we're going to wrap you up in a hug and 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 we're going to believe that god's going to come for you and we're not going anywhere and just outside the door of that barn um is a corral and that corral's full of shit mm. 
And every time we have to put on a fire, we're cleaning shit. <laughs> and it's just a great analogy of what happened. It, it, what happens at a at a fire? And <laughs> and old Joe came, and of course we prepared by getting rid of the shit in the corral so it wouldn't stink in our barn. <laughs> and uh, we lit the fire, and he'd come and he'd listen. Uh, the first month, and the second month he listened, and then about the seventh month. Someone called him out and said, hey, we haven't heard from you in about six months. I'd love to know a little bit more about you. And and it broke open. And he opened his heart and said, I'm hurting. And Jay mentioned it before. I'm alone. And I don't have anywhere to go because all my religious support has, has now rejected me out of the out of the structure and the system. And uh, we were able to, to meet Joe. We were able to wrap our arms around him. We were able to pray for him. We were able to support him. But more importantly, we're able to have an environment where he could come and he felt safe enough to share and safe enough to be heard and seen where he could start to find healing for his heart. Now, long story made short, Joe started seeing a counselor. A lot of us in that barn were there because we've seen counselors. We've experienced trauma. We've been hurting in the same similar way that Joe had. And they got to hear, Joe got to hear our stories first. Mm-hmm. And in that exchange, uh, Joe's doing, to bring it up full speed to today, three years later, Joe's, Joe's one of uh, behind the scenes leaders. Joe is a, Joe's a guy that will show up for anybody. And he's, he's happily remarried, happily, um, his structure's in place to support him. He's found fruit um, in, in the areas of life where he was damaged the most. And it all started because, he came and sat and listened to other guys' stories and found hope where he was hopeless. Hmm. Brian, I feel like I just walked into the New Testament. I mean, I just feel like my, my throat is tight with emotion of that's a parable of the early church. That's what was supposed to happen when Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand. Right, it's why I love the scripture that we've we've all held on to for fires, where um, you know Jesus is commissioning men just like us, saying, "Go out," you know, and he says, "Like you don't have to go far, you don't have to go far. Tell them the kingdom is right here. There's a place to bring the sick to get healthy. There's a place to bring the dead to be raised. There's a place for untouchables where they could be touched." Uh, you know, I'm thinking of that story, Brian, like you said, sometimes just to hold a man, just to give him a hug, just to be face to face. And, and I love, you know, in Peterson's translation, it says, you know, you don't have to put on a big fundraising campaign to start this thing. You don't need a lot of equipment, travel light. You are the equipment. And so you just told a parable of kingdom come. And I love when Peterson says the scriptures are over time meant to be autobiographical. If we are walking in the kingdom, those should become our stories. So that is a stunning example of the fruit of fires over time. He comes to a safe place for the masculine soul. He's honored to listen, to simply just be an active participant through listening not forced to share. And then in time, he has to take a risk. And you look at the fruit years later. It's so beautiful. So guys, I think with that story by way of introduction, I would love to invite men 
that are listening into um, what a fire is and then what a fire isn't. Because what we're describing is something universal that every man needs and is available to every man. And so we are transcending cultures. We're transcending um, countries. And so I'd love to start, guys, and ask you from your experience, what is a fire? Like, what are the basic elements that make it distinct from a bunch of other things that aren't bearing fruit? And I'll start with one as a question. We're literally talking about actual flames, right? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. both of you are pretty um, adamant about lighting a flame. And sometimes it's a barn indoors for you guys in the winter where it's a propane fire. And Jay, sometimes for you guys in San Antonio, it sounds like it could be a hundred degrees outside and you're still lighting a fire. Um, why a fire as an elemental piece of these gatherings? It's ancient. It's it's absolutely ancient, and we're kind of looking for the new. But this is the old. This is the old way. This is the tried and true road. Um, you know, it, it's always it, it's always drawn me in in movies like Dances with Wolves or Sea Biscuit or all these stories where conversations about direction conversations where the passing on of wisdom always happened at the end of a day when people gathered around a fire and maybe they smoked a peace pipe, maybe they shared a drink, but what they were sharing was life. Here's what I'm learning. Here are my questions. Here's where we don't know what to do. Uh, In Dances with Wolves in particular, they're trying to decide what to do with the white man. I mean, these are huge questions. And the young are there, the older there, and they're all participating in different ways. And I have tried a lot of different models of discipleship. I've tried accountability groups. I've met in cafes. I've met in Mexican restaurants. I've met in people's you know houses with big fluffy pillows on big fluffy couches. I've met with uh, women there and you know kids in another bedroom that are making a lot of noise and ruckus and at the end of the season for those particular expressions of discipleship all of which i learned something from all of which are good i am not in any way knocking them yeah. what i'm just saying is that you know for decades i've done those and i've tried them and i was always relieved when they came to an end and in many of those uh, formats, when I would arrive, the focus was on what are you not doing well? And it was very seldom on who are you? It was very seldom on what is your true identity and what's getting in the way? It was very seldom. It, it, a lot of those other scenarios were focused on what's the story right now. And very few of them were focused on what's the real story. Mm. And I think that's what the campfire does. Also, you know, done in Texas, we get a little bit of cold weather. I mean, it's probably going to be, you know, in the forties, you know, on (laughs) Wednesday night, you know, like bitter, bitter cold, right? Teeth chattering. (laughs) But 
when you host a fire outside one, it's so elemental. You smell it. Right. You, it, it gets in your clothes. Yes. Men love going home and annoying their wives with the smell of fire in their clothes. There's something playful about taking off their clothes outside the bedroom because the wife won't allow the smoky clothes in the bedroom, you know? And there's something that every guy just gets a big kick out of when it comes to that. Um, you're outside. So, you know, hey, you bring your own chair. Like they get to create their own environment as opposed to being pigeonholed in another environment. For three hours, they get to basically having a camping experience. And I think that is a rescue in itself for most men mm -hmm. who are trapped in front of a screen. They get to, it may be the one time that they're literally out in the cold, they may bring a blanket or maybe they're sweating or there's mosquitoes. We adapt to it because that's the world uh, that we live in and it's not antiseptic, it's it's not indoors. And I just think it it, it is the environment that a man's soul was made for. And so our expression of it is a reflection of the masculine soul. And it just works. Men love to come. Yeah, Jay, I would add on too, um, when you, it's got a, it, it's a fire because that's opposite of, of a lot of guys' experience with religion, with the four doors, the four walls. Like when you walk in this place, um, we do we do our gathering in a barn, sometimes outside the barn when we have our fire outside, and it's rustic. Um, there's a corral next door. There's tack room. There's leather. There's mm. you know holters. There's there's splinters if you sit in the wrong spot. There's deer mm. racks on the wall. At the same time, there's Christmas lights going through those deer racks. It's a it's a juxtaposition per se, uh, but the what I'd say about the fire that's powerful is that we want to allow our souls a place to, to be brought to where we can slow down, where we can, right? We can get to the pace of, of Jesus, which is about what? Three miles per hour, two and a half um, going uphill is a little slower. And with our addiction to technology and the phones these days, Morgan, you've been a great source of help to some of the, the tech addicts like myself over the years, we get to stop. We have to tend to a fire. If it's outside, we're keep it's real wood. We're, we got to keep it going. We got to tend to it. it. It captures our attention. And you're not worried about that scroll and you're not living at the pace of the next notification. Mm. Even if it's just for two hours on a Monday night in Emmett, mm. Idaho at a, outside of a barn next to the corral, that slow down, that pace, that pause, uh, the fire, it kind of, kind of is the jewel in the middle of all that. That commands our respect, it commands our attention, and it, it really helps us notice other people in the room and 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 be present uh, outside of ourselves and outside of the phone and the te technology and life, which is which is just drawing and trying to suck our soul out of our body. It seems, and so I think the fire is key to. Um, to harnessing a, a pace where we can slow down and pay attention to others and be present. And what you both are naming so beautifully is the fire is the centerpiece of a masculine space, period. Like what I hear and what I've, you know, benefited from 
in fires is it's no compromise. It has to be masculine. Men need permission mm-hmm. to be welcomed as men. And so like you said, Jay, like the number of gatherings I've been to, the fluffy pillows, like there's nothing wrong with that. But there's something that's not right about <laughs> it too. Yeah. And we have to say that. <clears throat> it's hard being a wholehearted man in this hour on the earth. And you guys are facilitating a space that gives the soul permission. And what I want to point out, because it's really, it it was important for me to have both of you guys on together because Brian, you're on the edge of, you know, Emmett on the edge of a rural community, edge of wilderness with a lot of ruffians in the best way you're attracting, you know, the, the wild men from the frontier and the guys from the city. Jay, you're smack dab in suburbia. In San Antonio, Texas, on a cul-de-sac, white picket fences, and we're describing the same phenomenon, Mm -hmm. okay? That's what's so important for our guys to hear. We are talking about the very same thing, just in a different context. And, And I love what I'm hearing these themes already that are surfacing and, and one that was unnamed, but you both described very well is this is a space of intimacy. This is a space of true connection. There's so many men that are warehoused in churches and they go and there's 500 people and they never really interact with them or they go to the gym and there's a hundred people around, you know, every day, but they're not interacting. There's not intimacy. Everyone's in their own siloed world, but it's an environment of intimacy. It's a soul's pace giving them permission to slow down away from technology, immersed in real things for the purpose of recovering true identity, that masculine identity, that unique identity, and finding that that identity, as you pointed out, Jay, is rooted in a larger story that doesn't begin with where I fucked up or doesn't begin with I'm behind. And I don't even have time for this thing, right? That's where most men start. This is where I'm fucking up. And this is where I feel behind. And the challenge with that is that's not where a man needs to stay. We need to meet a man where he is, but we have to take him into the identity that's below the condition in which he finds himself, his true identity as a son, as a man, as a king. And we have to help him recover the fact as we are recovering ourselves that we're rooted in a larger story, that we are not the center of the story. You guys are doing a brilliant job. Um, you're creating an elemental space that's purely masculine, that gives men permission to come as they are. Um, can, can we go a little farther? I, I want to give some framework to our listeners. It, it seems like, though your, your fires are unique, there's sort of a set of core values and then um, pretty specific rules of engagement is a term I know both of you have used sort of guidelines for how this works. And then there's an actual flow. And so I w- I'd love to hear some more stories, but, but maybe just to set context, could we visit each of those three um, categories and help us, educate us? I've never done a fire before. 
you know, I'm in Canton, Ohio, or I'm in Singapore, and I'm interested. Can we start with the core values? What what shapes the culture of a fire? You know, Morgan, when uh, every if you were to come to our fire and sit in our barn, every time we hold a fire, um, we do a few things, and one of those is go over the core values because we always want to operate from those. And yes. some you know, sometimes if we hear stories and they start going sideways, or a guy's in trauma, or you know, think you know, crazy things can happen sometimes. Um, we want to come back to well, what's our guiding way we operate and relate to each other in this space of great permission, and and how do we kind of keep some sidebars on this from from running running out? Um, and so our core values are simple, simple but um, powerful. One of them, story, and that hopes we we believe hope comes from hearing. And every man who enters that barn, we want to hear their story. It's important. And we want to provide an area where they can sh- uh, see others and hear their story, but also share their own story um, to, the, to the guys in the group. Other operating core values, humility. Humility is the door to authentic relationship. Mm. Um, Walla Hart's a great, a great uh, teacher on the poser. Every boot camp. Tons of podcasts on here. I love the IKEA drawing. Um, you know, we go a lot of places, but the the poser doesn't have room to really exist at a fire. Mm. Um, and we believe that humility is really a door for us to anchor around to to not have to pose. And we give full permission for people to call each other out on it um, after they come a time or two. Uh, the other core values: honor. We always want to honor the man next to us on our right or our left above ourselves. Um, and then hope if we believe if you're telling your story, um, there's going to be an exchange and it's going to create hope. And that's a core value that more oftentimes than not, if I have a guy sharing a story about, you know, about like such as Joe who has had gone through trouble with his marriage, there's a guy across from him in that fire that has a similar story. Yes. And he and all of a sudden he goes from, well, I thought I was alone in this to wait a minute. There's a guy going through the same thing who's sitting across from me in a fire. Oh, there's hope. I can find hope now. And we've had exchange after exchange on this core value of hope where guys being vulnerable, sharing their story around a fire where they thought they were alone, which Jay mentioned earlier, when in fact they weren't. Not only is that guy across from him going through the same thing. Um, he might there'd be another guy who's maybe two, three, four, five years ahead who can come circle around, exchange numbers with that guy who shared after the fire and be a great source of local hope, mm. uh, a brotherhood of, of, of um, you know, resource to help him through a situation. And we've had that. And we in one of the exchanges, um, you know, again, I'm changing the names, but we've had a guy who's being charged with assault. Uh, he got into a fight and had this terrible thing happen. Well, he's, he, you know, he's facing real jail time because what happened in, in this big fight he had. And, you know, we're talking he's in his 30s and um, cross the fire, happened to be a probation officer. Mm. Well, that probate, you know, that probation officer happened to be really down. Like, I don't know if my life is, I don't even know if I'm doing matters. Uh, I'm kind of, I feel like I'm washed up. Well, that probation officer heard, you know, the other guy's story who was facing real jail time after they shared the story after that fire, they came around, exchanged numbers, 
And that probation officer walked the guy facing jail time through the whole process. There to support him, there to provide um, hope. When he came to the fire alone, he came to the fire ready to risk and share what he was going through. And he, he left with a brother who could walk him through it, who was actually part of the system that he was facing. Hmm. So hope was a really big deal. Um, and then redemption. Of course, without the Redeemer, there's no redemption. That's our fifth kind of core value. We always visit at the beginning of every fire. And, you know, we're in a kingdom with a king. And he wants redemption for his sons. And we're going to rally behind that redemption. Like you mentioned, Morgan, it's, it's, it's not starting in the pain. It's starting with the Redeemer who's coming for his sons. Just to pause. Brian, to take that in, like to take in to the feast of a man who's never been before and things are sideways in his world and he shows up into a space. And from what I hear you saying, every fire, you say this out loud. You invite loud. Them saying, this is our culture. It's redemption. It's a kingdom with a king. It's hope through shared story. It's honoring each other above ourselves. It's humility as the doorway to authentic relationship. And story is central. To just notice even what happens in my own heart of how I feel safe, I feel loved, I feel um, something like possibility rising up just from the atmosphere you're describing of what's set. It's just so important to understand this is something that's revisited every time because it's from this culture that everything takes place. Jay, similar distinctions. How about being sons and your fires? Yeah, Brian, I love your answer. There's so much overlap in what you just said and you know what what drives our fires. Uh, for me, there used to be seven rules. I just like getting simpler and simpler just to try and be as unreligious as possible. And again, I've had seven years, you know, that I've been working on this. So it's really come down to three simple rules, which I do state every single time. One story is king Two, honor other men and three be authentic. So I will take a moment to describe what it means that story is king. Um, and all of these are really responses, not reactions, but responses to what I have experienced in the past in these discipleship or these fellowship circles. Uh, so story is king. There's a lot of ways that we can convey information. And a lot of men around the circle have got, they are pent up ministers, teachers, preachers, and they don't have anywhere to, you know, offer. <laughs> Granted, a lot of them are still in their story of redemption and they're working through how to offer what's inside them, but they've got stories that they don't understand. And so what I try and help them understand is that every single person's story is sacred and we could spend two hours on any man's story down to two minutes. And a part of what we are learning around this circle is how do we tell our story in the appropriate manner? I said, lots of, you know, there, there may be some of us that may spend 10 minutes on our story. But what we're looking for is to walk with God, 
to ask him, am I supposed to share? And then what is the portion of my story that I'm supposed to share? Because we don't need to hear the whole thing. What I've learned over the years is you give a man um, the opportunity to share, he will often not only share the most compelling piece of his story, he'll begin sharing his whole story with lots of stories that are unnecessary. And this is how I met that person and that person. So I say, look, we're at a point in human history where people uh, need you to be skillful at sharing the portion of your story that's going to captivate their heart and, and have them ask the next question. So this is a place where we get to practice you know, mm-hmm. sharing stories. So I constantly lean into, uh, you know, in Revelation, they overcame, meaning the saints of God, the church of God overcame by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. So that's what we do. Like we're learning to share our stories as opposed to um, what we address in rule number two, which is honor other men. Uh, you know what it's like to share your heart. And then another guy respond in such a way that it just feels like it castrates you. We've all done that. I mean, there's so many insensitive ways to respond when a man courageously, vulnerably shares a piece of his story. We can respond by one, not allowing there to be any silence at all. Somebody has to jump in right away. Two, a man offers teaching. He just begins to teach and quote scripture. And, oh, I was just listening to the sermon. Um, another man will compare. He'll begin saying, well, yeah, that story happened to you. Well, this story happened to me as well. Or you caught a you know, two-foot fish. Well, I caught one that's you know, three foot long. You know, like <laughs> men are just so insensitive. And a part of what we get to do is call bullshit. And I think even the guys that are the bullshitters appreciate somebody's teaching me because the guys who are bullshitters and they don't know how to be honest and sensitive with other men's stories because we've never been taught. Jay, let me ask you. So you literally in a fire will challenge a guy. Like you're saying story is king, but you're saying a big part of the culture is teaching people what that means and practicing through making mistakes and tr- taking another pass at it. Like I'm genuinely asking, is that what happens? Yes. And, and I, I have to, that's where the, I have to walk with Jesus in it because I have to do it. You know, I, I get to do it kindly, lovingly in a, doesn't I, I walk with the Lord? Sometimes a guy, uh, well, I'll, I'll say it this way. Um, just this past Fight Club in January, uh, a young man began sharing his story, and he he began to share bits and pieces of his story that were not relevant and, frankly, not interesting to anybody other than himself. <laughs> and the longer he talked the less people were going to hear the gold and what he had to say. Yes. So for me to say, I'm just going to say his name is, is um, Frank. Like Frank, Frank, what's the piece that you most want to tell? What's the piece that honors God the most in all of this? 
share that piece with us. Interrupted him, just like I interrupted you. Yes, you interrupted him and said, "Frank, I, I I'm listening to your story, and what's yes. the piece that's most important here?" Yes, but here's what gives me the conviction to do that is that I have been sharing these Fight Club rules for seven years. Yes, I share them in the beginning. Men have seen me do it before, and that's why men. The men who keep coming back, that's why they keep coming back, is because we've created a safe environment. And as the facilitator, they are looking to me to guard that environment. Because what I'm looking... Now, last month, what we do is, at the beginning of the year, we we pray and hear God's voice give us our words for the year. So it was there was 30 guys, 30 to 35 guys around a fire. And somebody has to take control in that situation. If there's three or four or five guys around a fire, then it can be the Knights of the Round Table and we're all just having a discussion where we're, you know, all over on top of one another and we can share longer stories. But but what I know is that there are men deeply in pain all around that fire who have something to share. And if one guy takes up 20 minutes to share pieces of a story, um, I can choose to let that go, but that's why that's why I always share the rules of Fight Club, and that's why I always help guys, and that that's why I always help guys see that there is an appropriate time for a thirty-minute version of their story. There's an appropriate time for a five-minute, a two-minute, a one-minute, and even a thirty-second version of their story. So good, which. So good. Which is the appropriate response for you? And likewise, there are some guys that talk all the time. And I'm like, you know what? You, it could very well be that the Holy Spirit, if you walk with him, he's going to tell you just to be quiet because you'll, that's what's going to allow you to hear God speak to you is because you're not speaking. Mm. We're after God here. So, yeah, so the first rule is story is king. Um, two is honor other men, which means don't respond or react to another man telling his story by teaching, preaching, counseling, or comparing. And do not interrupt another man unless it's to get clarification. Like, oh, wait a minute. Was this your second wife or your third wife that we're talking about here? You know, and, 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 and that's the only reason that we interrupt people. And then afterwards, you know, after a guy has shared a story, it's just, wow. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. And what happens is as men are sharing their stories, God's actually using one man's story, like scripture, to speak to another man, to embolden him, to empower him, to to awaken him to the next question that he may need to be asking his relationship with the Lord. So the stories, God is using the stories and how the stories are being told. I'm just protecting the men to help them share their stories in the most powerful way for all of the other men to hear. Mm -hmm. And then... You know, like Brian was saying with those guys, and I've heard, I mean, Brian and I talk and communicate once or twice a week. So, I mean, it's just been amazing to watch how God comes at his fires. And, uh, you know, it, and it is, it has to be a, a protected space. So the third rule is be authentic, be yourself. And I'm like, guys, some of us don't even know how to do that. Like there, there's a false self and there's a true self. 
And if you don't know who your true self is, this is actually an incredible, this is the safest place in the world for you to, to walk that out. We're all practicing learning who we are as sons of God and who we are not. There's always two stories. That's what all of this is about. It's being aware of the story that I'm telling myself and asking God, what's the real story that's going on? So I would say those are the core values. Jay, um, I want to jump in there too. What, what Jay's describing, Morgan, and for the listeners is probably, you know, Jay's done these for seven years. We've done these for three. Some of the hardest skills to learn um, is exactly what Jay's describing, how to, what we call land the plane. And, you know, we had to institute the land the plane rule because when we, when we first, you know, we started, because I'm talking to Jay on the phone, and I go, Jay, Jeremy Morris, and Mike Evanson, and Nick, and a couple of us, we want to start fires and see them go over the United States. And Jay shares his dream. Well, I want to have a place for guys to share around a fire, and I want it to spread. And we went, wait a minute, we have shared dreams. You're doing this already? Can, you, can we learn? Jay gets us on a Zoom call. We start talking about how to help guys land the plane, and what we call talkative toms, the guys who talk way too much because they've never even had a space mm-hmm. to talk to their wives or friends. or It doesn't exist. Yes. They walk to a fire. It's the first time. They, they don't know what to do. It just comes out. And, mm-hmm. you know, after sitting on Zoom calls and being taught by, you know, going through some of Jay's experiences, we, at the beginning of every fire, we'll say, guys, there's another rule, and it's the best way to honor the guy next to you, and that's land the plane. That means there's a portion of your story that God's highlighting that you're probably supposed to share today and other men are supposed to listen, but it's not the whole thing. And if you, and any one of us can tell each other to land the plane, you have permission to say, make the, make the, make the sign with your hands, the, the wings out, land the plane, because there's more time. There's time here for everybody. Now, the other thing is with a land the plane role, we've got to know when to break it. And Jay was hitting on it. Like some guys, you know, we have a we've had we had a guy come in that never told a story before, and he got courage to share about how he just wanted intimacy with his wife, and he's been ignoring her, and his heart his heart was just so callous over the years, and he's he, and he just broke down and, and tears, and he accessed emotions for the first time. When you walk with God through these things, God starts to highlight these guys, and you let those guys go. And you let, if there's access and his emotions for the first time and it's not look at me or it's about me, but it's about, oh my gosh, I've realized that I need to treat my wife better and this is why. And he starts telling access in places where he hasn't gone before and he's being vulnerable. Um, we let those guys go. And it's a, it's something you, you rep and you make mistakes in and you, you learn, but it's people say, how do I start a fire? I need, I need all the A. B step, C step, D step. I said, "Hey, we got to walk with God in this because some guys need more time than others. Others need about a minute, mm-hmm. and so it's that balance. It's tricky. Um, and the other thing I'd say about land the plane rules, and where Jay is going through the rules, is is um, when a, when a guy talks and and it's that and you let it land, and you let when he when he's done with his story, and you give a little bit of space and a little bit of landing spot." Your thoughts and what you've just heard, some of it very traumatic. 
when they're if they're going there. Guys need places, and the guy who just taught to, to stop and pause and land. And if someone talks right away, that can disrupt that emotional access that he's that he's enjoying. We noticed if we give space, just to pause for a minute and let those emotions catch up with those words, that's where God's working. Brian, this is so good. As I'm here with you in this space, I'm thinking of a guy listening to this. And it could sound complex, but at the end of the day, what we're talking about is something wildly simple. We're talking about showing up, hosting a simple space for men to be men, simply recovering authentic masculinity. I mean, the simplest way to look at it is inviting a few men and treating them how you would like to be treated as a man, listening to their stories, responding to them as you would want someone to respond to your story. So friends, this is just part one of this two-part series, and we are helping to fuel this initiative that has been at work through the lives of some of our closest allies and some of these BGS alumni here for seven years. It started with just a few. It's gone out where we have over 30 fires going on right now here in the U.S. And we sense this call to action through the BGS community, the Wild at Heart community. Our sense is that these fires are part of the recovery of masculine initiation, of authentic masculinity in this particular hour on the globe. Tribes of men coming home to the love of God as a father. Men being forged by God, sharpened by the lives and the stories of other men. It is profoundly simple and profoundly powerful. And as we close this episode, I simply want to invite you to ask the Spirit of God, how would you participate? You might want to try to find a local fire. At this point of this revolution, we want to invite you to consider hosting a fire because we need men like you for when a lots of other men come to the website and look for a fire, they can find one in every community where we have our allies. And so we want to invite you to consider prayerfully, would this be something God has for you? Once a month, light a fire, invite a few men, and create a space for everyone, including yourself, to receive, to offer to engage in the ancient practice of storytelling together. All of it led by God, shaped by God, and fueled by God. You can find more on this, on these pages that we're developing. It's wildatheart.org slash fires. We're just launching these pages, and they'll develop more and more over time. 
but we're putting together a Firestarter kit that you can download immediately. We have these guidelines that are note cards you can print out, and it just walks you through really simple steps of how to host, how to offer, how to shepherd an evening, how to set the ground rules so that everyone can thrive. And actually, as part of the offer, we desire to give a free copy of Becoming a King and of Wowed at Heart to every guy that attends his first fire. And so it's an initiative we're just exploring now. We put together this care package of a fire starter kit that comes in the mail with those books for the men showing up at his fire. It's just one of the ways we want to express our generosity and our support in coming alongside of you. So having said that, wildatheart.org slash fires. And as we close this podcast, I want to end as we always do with a 90-second transition. Before you go to the next thing, I want to invite you to pause, to recover your breath, to let what you heard just soak into the fabric of your soul as a man. And I want to invite you to tune in to what rises up, whatever the emotion is, whatever the desire is, whatever the thing that feels like might be in the way for you as a man. Tune in to your heart. Give it 90 seconds and invite Jesus to come as an older brother and just be with you in this space. Notice what you need and notice what he has for you. Brothers, it's an honor to be with you. And I invite you to come back for the next episode where we're going to dive into part two on this series of this worldwide revolution that we are seeding of lighting a fire.